Welcome to Retrieving Reason Podcast Episode 3, Proto-Epistemology. This is a philosophy podcast, particularly focusing on epistemology, and I'm Kelly Fitzsimmons-Burton. We're having a rainy day here in Phoenix, and I'm kind of confined to my small little corner of the world, and my dogs are here. Again, you might hear them in the background snoring. Uh, podcasts put them to sleep. But uh, I'm sitting here in my little library trying to stay dry, and uh, it's a lovely day outside. Uh, In the last episode, I talked about foundation and logos. Today, I want to talk about proto-epistemology. This is a word I kind of coined. I made it up. Uh, It may be a thing, but uh, I was thinking uh, there's something before we get started doing epistemology. So proto-epistemology is first epistemology or before epistemology. Uh, this is a, gla- a ground-clearing exercise for us. So we're going to be, uh, I'm going to remind you, we're, uh, we're trying to build uh, a foundation or, or, or solid ground where we're going to lay a foundation or lay a deeper foundation in the area of epistemology. And I'm going to say that reason is the foundation of the foundation. So this is the most basic piece. And we're really building up to talking about what is reason. But before we can get there, we have to uh, deal with some ground clearing. Uh, I'm going to say that proto-epistemology is a necessary existential starting point. So existential is starting where we're at. So we have to start where people are at. And uh, either people are seeking to know or they're not seeking to know. And lots of us are not seeking to know. And this may be something that changes. We may be seeking at one moment and not seeking at another moment. So uh, what is seeking? Well, you can think about it in this way. It's a kind of constant diligence and discipline with the goal of having knowledge. That's seeking. What is diligence? Diligence is careful and persistent work, and it's paying close attention. This is hard, right, to pay attention, to pay close attention? Um, What's discipline? Discipline is to be a learner. It's doing the hard thing, even when we don't particularly want to do the hard thing. And knowledge is sometimes difficult. It takes work to know, and it takes patience and perseverance. So what we're going to also be noticing is that uh, knowledge is going to, seeking knowledge is going to require some virtues, some moral virtues. So diligence, discipline, uh, and uh, we're going to need some motivation for seeking. I mean, why should I seek to know? What's the motivation? Let's think about that word motivation too. It's like emotion, desire. Why should I desire to seek to know? So I have to sell this to you today, why you should desire to seek to know. And this desire, it's connected to philosophy as the love of wisdom. It's a love. So I was claiming that wisdom is the pinnacle of philosophy or human achievement, Uh, but we have to go from small steps to increasing our our levels. So we got to start with meaning and then truth and then knowledge, and then understanding, and then wisdom. So what motivates us? Uh, A love, a passion, 
So we, we have to have a kind of passion and we'll see what's blocking that passion as we go along today. Um, we also need to clear the ground uh, before we can find common ground. So I'm saying that proto-epistemology is a necessary existential starting point because this is where we're at. But I'm also going to, in the next uh, episode, talk about uh, common ground as a methodological starting point. So we have to first start where we're at, but then we have to start with a methodology for getting knowledge. So let's start where we're at. And we have to recognize, um, you know what? Before we can get common ground, we have got to clear the ground of a lot of junk in our thinking. Or just raise our awareness. Perhaps we're not even aware that we're not thinking. All right, so we need to uh, think about thinking. Yeah, it's a kind of meta. This is, someone asked me, is this a meta uh, activity? Kind of, uh, thinking about thinking. All right, um, do we recognize that there's a problem with our thinking? Do humans naturally think? Are humans naturally motivated to think critically? Are they motivated to think critically about their own basic assumptions? I'm going to say no, we're not. And sometimes it may take something jarring uh, to get us to think. Maybe that jarring thing that gets us to think is suffering of some sort. Maybe it's a kind of uh, mental anguish or a meaninglessness, or maybe it's physical suffering that gets us to think, why is suffering happening? What is it? So uh, I'm going to try to connect suffering with uh, seeking. All right, so uh, there's, a, there's a virtue that may even need to be in place prior to seeking. I know this is difficult. If we're, if we're trying to get to the basic of the basic, what is the thing that motivates us to seek? I'm going to say integrity. We need to have integrity, a moral virtue. And you're a rational being. I, I don't know if you could deny that. You're a rational being. And uh, when we use reason at the most basic level to answer the most basic questions, we will find meaning. And you need meaning, okay? So we're meaning-seeking beings. If we use reason, we'll find meaning. What is the opposite, though? If you don't use reason, then you won't find meaning. So there's a correlation. If you have integrity, then you will use your reason and you'll find meaning and you'll know what is clear to reason. But if you don't know what is clear to reason, then you're going to have to back up and say, is it because I wasn't using reason to answer these basic questions? And uh, is it a lack of integrity? So first recognize a problem. Human beings lack integrity, period. It's, it's every one of us. No one's fully conscious or consistent in their pursuit of the good. And so we have to recognize that. We have to take responsibility for meaning in our lives and the consequences of not having meaning. Why uh, do we have meaning or not have meaning and how are we responsible for that? So it's going to turn out the motivation for thinking is life or death. This is a life or death issue for human beings. And I'm not talking about physical life and death. I'm talking about spiritual life and death or intellectual life and death, if you want to put it that way. So if we're seeking, then we'll have meaning. And meaning is life for human beings, spiritual life. And we don't want just life. We want fullness of life. We want to grow in life. 
So we need to continue seeking. Yeah, uh, some people might think, oh, I've got it. I see what's clear. And then they stop and get comfortable. No, you have to continue seeking. This is that careful, persistent work of diligently seeking. So that's required for life. Minimally. If you want maximal life, you're going to have to do maximal effort. Ooh. So what's the opposite? Death. So if we're not seeking, we don't have integrity, we're not seeking, then we're in this condition of neglecting, avoiding, resisting, or denying reason. In the face of what is clear to reason, it's not just that we're neglecting it. There are things that are clear to reason and we're neglecting those things, or we're uh, avoiding facing those things, or we're resisting facing those things, or we're denying those things. Uh, it's a scale, and it's a sliding scale downwards. Talk more about that. Now, if we're in this condition of neglecting, avoiding, resisting, or denying reason, we'll call it NARD. If you're NARDing, then you will necessarily not have meaning. You can't have meaning without seeking meaning. So you'll have meaninglessness. And the less you seek, the less meaning things will have, and it will be a spiraling meaninglessness downward, less and less meaning. And humans need meaning. And so when we don't find meaning, we're bored, existentially bored. Uh, this is a, like a acedia, like... Um, Sloth is not the right word. It's a, it's a failure to find ultimate meaning. Like nothing has meaning. Cosmic meaninglessness. We can't live that way. So we fill our boredom with something. And that something can never fill it. Um, we have a uh, God-shaped hole, a need for the infinite. And anything finite that we put there is not going to fill it. We need meaning in an ultimate sense. That's what philosophers are looking for. And so the boredom will continue, and the excess will continue, and we'll waste our time and our effort and our money and our lives, and then we'll feel guilt because waste for humans is intolerable. So we'll call not seeking leading to NARD, leading to meaninglessness, boredom, and guilt, MBG. Meaninglessness, boredom, and guilt. We'll make that our acronym, MBG. This condition of meaninglessness, boredom, and guilt grows. Either we're growing in life or we're growing in death. And we'll call this spiritual death. Uh, we can grow in spiritual death, just like we can grow in life. And this is, uh, this is intolerable for humans. So how do we avoid death? Seek life, okay? Integrity, seek, diligence, discipline, and you will find. All right, so thinking, your motivation, it's a life or death issue. We can make a distinction now between good thinking and other types of thinking. Narding, we'll call it. Um, my whole goal is to lay out what is reason and how do we use it. And using reason is thinking. We think by means of reason. So I will mention good thinking, but I hope the rest of this project will be laying that out for us. Uh, 
So good thinking we'll call reason in its use. When reason is being used, it's good thinking. Now, we can also use reason partially or uh, we could misuse reason, so we need to name those things. So we have good thinking, and I'll call it bad thinking. That's not very nuanced, but we'll, we'll give it some nuance as we go along. All right, so again, good thinking is going to require integrity. Integrity is wholeness. We, we say we're rational, we should act rational. We, we say it, we should do it. Uh, we shouldn't be double-minded saying I'm a rational being, but then not using my reason to think, okay? To think about the most important things. Uh, all right, so good thinking involves integrity. It's critical thinking. And critical thinking is a test for meaning. We're going to say, what does that mean? And when we understand what something means, then perhaps we can talk about whether it's true or not. So we want to pursue meaning prior to truth. Remember presuppositional thinking? Meaning is more basic than truth. Truth presupposes meaning, okay? So we want to think critically, and we want to think criti critically about the basic questions. Does God exist or not? Um, have I given good reasons for my position on whether God exists or not? If I think God exists, have I, can I show that? Um, can I prove it? So we want critical thinking is where we're going to give arguments and proofs for our basic assumptions. You say X is the good life. Can you give arguments and prove that X is the good life? Okay, so we want integrity. We want critical thinking. We're also gonna have to do some constructive thinking. So once we answer those basic questions, so think about we've, we've cleared the ground. We're deepening our foundation in epistemology. We're building a foundation in metaphysics, we've answered this question, God exists, does God exist or not? Now we build a coherent world and life view on our assumptions. And coherent means there are no contradictions in the system, and we're using reason to identify where there may be contradictions. No one's fully conscious or consistent, remember, in their basic beliefs and how those work out. So we're always testing to be sure that we don't contradict ourselves. All right, so good thinking, integrity, critical thinking, constructive thinking, and interpretive thinking. We're going to use reason to interpret all of our experiences, all of life, in light of our basic beliefs. So we want to really be sure that those basic beliefs are firm, right? So uh, there are better interpretations and there are worse interpretations. Some interpretations are less meaningful than others, so we want to find the most meaningful interpretations. Now I'm talking about in our experiences, in our activities, in what we watch, what we read, what we listen to, all of the experiences that come in through our senses need to be interpreted and we want to make the most of our interpretations. So that's going to be how we use reason as well to interpret. Now, the cause of good thinking is seeking. All right, so this is where that constant diligence is going to come in. And uh, we're inconsistent. That's okay. We can repent and we can change. Repentance is the change of mind. So if we're finding ourselves, oh, no, I'm not seeking, repent. Change your mind. Change your ways. Okay? All right, so I've just talked a little bit about good thinking. What about bad thinking? Poor thinking.
I've got a list here and I, I created this list last semester in one of my classes because I thought, you know, uh, things are not just good or bad. There's, there's a different scales of thinking. And so let's name some of the ones that we would like to avoid. Poor thinking. This is impoverished thinking, poor, impoverished, lacking. Um, what is the cause of poor thinking? This is where we're, we're using reason, but we're not using it all the way. Maybe not at the basic level. Maybe we're not recognizing our assumptions. Maybe we're not giving arguments. We're just asserting our views. Maybe we have biases that we don't recognize and we haven't really been diligent. So poor thinking, the cause of it could be a lack of education. And uh, that's okay. We can repair that. We can become more educated. Uh, maybe poor thinking is a lack of attention, a neglect. Maybe it's not being diligent. So we can correct this by being diligent, by inculcating that virtue, diligent discipline, by having a desire to know and a desire to have integrity. Maybe we say, I don't have a very good education, but I'd like to have a better education, and we start taking baby steps. That's part of discipline and diligence, too. We may have bad thinking habits. What's bad thinking? Um, bad thinking is when you believe false things, and uh, we believe a lot of false things. How do we know that, though, unless we were thinking critically and testing our beliefs, particularly our basic beliefs? Um, now, what's the cause of um, bad thinking, false beliefs? Uh, believing a lie. We may have been persuaded to believe things that aren't true because it looked like an argument and it wasn't an argument. So we need to think critically to be sure we don't believe falsehoods, okay? That's bad thinking. Perhaps we're in a condition of non-thinking. I think this happens a lot, non-thinking, uh, where we're going by our feelings, our intuition, or pragmatism, the will. We're just uh, on cruise control. Maybe we're... Um, Assuming answers, maybe we're assuming other people did the work to answer these things and we're trusting authority instead of thinking it through for ourselves. So non-thinking, what's the cause? I, I'm going to say the cause could be apathy, a kind of no passion, no passion for the truth. So we're not seeking. It's a um, kind of intellectual laziness. And I think we're a lot of us are guilty of that. Perhaps uh, we are already cynical, thinking there's no hope in applying thought. Maybe um, we think we tried, and we think we've been diligent, and we didn't get answers, and so we give up. So we're in a non-thinking mode. What about unthinking? Have you ever considered unthinking things? We do this all the time. We, we do things unthinkingly. Um, See, why did you do that? I don't know. I wasn't thinking. So uh, I'm going to say that unthinking is where we're neglecting the critical thinking skills that we have. We're not using reason critically. And we're avoiding. So this is the, ne the neglect and avoid in that narding. Um, and the cause of it is the human problem. We are uh, 
prone to not think sometimes. And uh, maybe this is something like sin, not thinking, not seeking, not understanding. And then that leads to not doing what is right, neglecting and avoiding. And maybe we're avoiding because we like our views, we like our comfort, and we don't want to change because change takes discipline and it's hard. And we would rather be in our unthinking mode, acting more like animals than humans. I don't know. I have two animals in here right now. They have a pretty comfortable life. They don't have to do all this work. I don't know. Are you going to be satisfied with that animal life? I don't think so. It's kind of death for humans, so better get to thinking. All right, and then the last level of what I'm calling bad thinking is anti-thinking. And this is a real problem. Anti-thinking, anti-intellectualism. This is the resistance and denial level of NARD. Resisting thinking and denial of thinking. This is very serious. Um, it leads to nihilism, meaninglessness. And uh, I've seen this happening in some of my students and in some of the people I discuss with on the internet. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking what I've seen and, and in, in reading philosophers such as Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche, anti-thinking. I think the cause of this is a hatred of being. If we don't love being, not, our, not just our own being, but being and knowing being, then uh, we will want to eradicate uh, what is in touch with being in ourselves, and that's reason. Reason knows being, and so if we don't love reason and we don't love being, we want to eradicate both reason and being. We might want to eradicate our own being. This is suicidal, right? It begins with intellectual suicide. All right, so hatred of being, maybe we want uh, to be reintegrated into non-being. I think this happens to some people. I hate being. Why? Because being is a reminder to you of your rationality, of the order in the world and the order of, of, in yourself. It's a reminder of the logos. And uh, there's something in us at a deep level that wants to uh, kill the logos because the logos is the word and the word is a reminder of our origin and our destiny. And we don't necessarily want that. We don't want to know uh, or we don't want to submit to that order. I'm just saying it's a reality. All right. So uh, proto-epistemology. We want to clear the ground of poor thinking, which is impoverished, bad thinking, which is connected to falsehood, non-thinking, where we're going into feelings and will and intuition, rather than non-cognitivism, rather than thinking, unthinking, where we're just neglecting or avoiding thinking altogether, and anti-thinking, which is resisting and denying reason and thinking. All of these are roadblocks. We need to clear the ground and we need to affirm that we need some virtues in order to attain knowledge. And the first virtue is integrity. And part of that is having a desire to know, a passion for life, because uh, knowing gives us meaning, 
and meaning is life for humans. And we also need diligence, a constant persistence in seeking, and discipline, willingness to do the hard work. All right, so today I mentioned uh, that we are doing proto-epistemology, a necessary existential starting point as a means of clearing the ground so that we could start knowing things in epistemology. Um, what we want to do next time is talk about common ground as a necessary methodological starting point. So our method for pursuing knowledge together. This is needed for discourse with one another. Um, this isn't just a monologue with me and myself in the, I don't know, computer. I'm talking to human beings trying to communicate ideas. And in order to do that, we need some common ground. So you can think about the ground now. And I'm trying to lay the groundwork for knowledge. I also want you to have that groundwork in common. So we have the same starting point. And if we have the same starting point, perhaps we can build a similar building and live in it and have some unity. That's the goal. Okay. So thank you for joining me uh, for Retrieving Reason, episode three. We talked about proto-epistemology. And uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Thank you. Have a great day.